Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. How the heck is everybody doing today? I hope you guys are having an awesome week out there, no matter where you might happen to be, whether you're on this side of the pond, or over in England, or in Germany, or wherever you might be hailing from, I hope you're having a great week. Um, I know I have been so far. So far is not very much, because I'm recording this on a Tuesday, so I have no idea what the week's about to bring. Uh, By the time you guys hear this, it'll be Thursday, but hopefully things will be going well. I hope you guys had a great weekend this past weekend. Here in the U.S., we had President's Day weekend, so we had an extra day off. Uh, Me, personally, I was out in Detroit hanging out with some people I love to hang out with, just doing some exploring and random uh, merrymaking all over the city. It was a good time. Always good to be in the D. Always, always, always. Uh, But anyway... Uh, I hope you guys are, uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, you're off to a a, a wonderful week and off to a good weekend. Uh, I have no idea what the weather's supposed to be this coming weekend, but, you know, hopefully you have some good plans all set to go. Um, this, this week, I kind of want to do something a little bit different again. Uh, I told you guys last week, last week's episode was kind of a doozy and I had some mixed, some mixed things on that last week. Uh, when we talked about the energy involved in, 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 in buildings and in, in abandoned places, um, you guys had a lot to say about that. I got a lot of comments off and, you know, off and on, uh, the podcast. Some people contacted me and had, we had some conversations. It was kind of fun. Um, on both sides of things, you know, yes or no. So, uh, you know, I always like when that happens. It's always good to hear from you guys, uh, whenever or whatever it might be about. So, you know, keep keep that going. I love talking to you guys. Uh, you know, at any time. You know, just drop me drop me a message. I love to, I love to talk. Anyway, uh, so I wanted to do something a little bit different this weekend as well. Um, I had some some ideas. So uh, I thought this weekend we would talk about uh, a seldom looked at aspect of urban exploration. Um, one that we don't often take a look at and we kind of neglect in ways when we're out exploring cities that we are going to see. Uh, you know, some people look at urban exploration and only see it in kind of a narrow focus, uh, and that, that being the subject of abandoned buildings and kind of nothing but, you know, that's our bread and butter. We go out and see abandoned buildings and that's what we photograph, you know. But if you ask around, um, you know, myself included, you know, you'll, you'll get suggestions that urban exploration encompasses way more than just abandoned buildings. Um, you know, there's different venues, locations, subjects that attract our lenses uh, through curiosity and inspiration. You know, things that are beyond the abandoned. You've got architecture in cities. Um, a, lot, a lot of people that, uh, explore drains. Uh, rooftopping. I know a lot of people do that. Uh, graffiti. You know, shooting graffiti. Mural art. That kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, those are just a few of the diverse targets an, an urban explorer will, will check out. Um, you know, nowhere in the title, urban exploration, does it say it has to be abandoned, right? Uh, so one of the most overlooked destinations for us in, in this community, uh, I would say, lies in a place where no one will ever really have to worry about security guards or pissed off locals. I mean, most of the time anyway, or, you know, any kind of local constabulary, um, but where you might just bump into uh, the restless souls of those who once lived among us. Of course, I'm talking about graveyards here. I'm talking about cemeteries. Uh, many of my photographical and explora- uh, exploratory colleagues don't really consider those when they plan to visit other cities. They don't really think about, you know, should, can I, should I go to a, a graveyard and check it out? Um, and maybe it comes down to personal preference. You know, maybe that's the case. Uh, but to be honest, if you want to photograph some bizarre, surreal, uh, moody, and sometimes kind of dark subject matter, there's no better place than a cemetery to go and, and take your camera. Um, 
every city's got some crazy stuff going on. You know, cemeteries run across a wide spectrum in size. You, you know, content, age, interest, there's all kinds of different types of cemeteries that you can go see. You've got your very small town graveyards with these little nubby, worn down gravestones, very old. You know, you drive through a small town, you see this little little fenced off area and it's this little small, you know, local thing. Um, you know, you can barely read the carvings on the stones because of the old age and the acid rain, right? Um, you know, you might stop there and do some shooting and then and then do some etches or rubbings. People do that to, to get the, the names off the stones. Um, you know, you've got, you know, every large city has those massive cemeteries uh, that are filled with the bodies of the deceased and the venerated wealthy. Right. These huge cemeteries where, you know, industrialists were, were buried, you know, complete with these graceful statuaries and uh, elaborate tombs and these weathered, gloomy mausoleums, um, huge and, and ornate and just, you know, beyond, you know, the riches you know, the, of the gods. Right. You've got that going on in some of these cities. Uh, every major city has at least one. Um, and almost every single one I've ever heard of has some type of crazy mythology about it. You got wild tales and stories told about tragedies and death, and of course, inevitably ghosts. You know that supernatural element to these cemeteries. Um, now, most of them are just that tales. You know, every cemetery collects tales. Most of them are probably not true. They are fun, but they're not necessarily true. Um, now, I, I, I've been to many cemeteries. I've been to quite a few in my travels. Um, I have not yet ever witnessed anything supernatural in any one of them that I've been in. Um, at least I don't think so. Almost. I'll get into, I'll, I'll get into the almost soon enough here. Hold on to that thought. Um, so today we're going to talk about a few graveyards, uh, you know, some history for some different boneyards in, in some wildly different locations. I'm going to talk about three of them. Three different cemeteries in three very different locations with situations that are very different from each other. Uh, just to have some fun today and talk about you know, some, some, some graveyard tales. The first one I'm going to go to, the first graveyard story I want to tell you guys uh, is right here at home, not far from where I grew up. Um, they always say to go with what you know and work your way out from there. So I'm going to start off close to home uh, in one of those small town cemeteries that, you know, due to adventurous kids and late night shenanigans over a century, uh, you know, in time, they, they get these, 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 this local notoriety, right? Insofar as graveyards are concerned, right? Tales are made up. You get these legends. Uh, and in my own hometown, hidden almost in plain sight, you can, you can witness the charm and, and the strange gloom of that. We have a place in my hometown called Old Chestnut Grove Cemetery, uh, located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio, where I grew up. Uh, nestled up on, on the ridge overlooking the Rocky River, the valley below, there's this uh, old cemetery. Very, very old. It was established in 1854, which is old for our area. Um, it's called the Old Chestnut Grove Cemetery. It was originally called Turkey Foot Cemetery due to the flock of wild turkeys that would roost nearby, you know, strutting around like they owned the place back in the day. Um, I have not seen a, a wild turkey around here ever, but uh, apparently we used to have a ton of them around here. Uh, it's an old, old graveyard. Maybe not as old as some of the ones you find on the East Coast that go back to the beginning of the United States, but, but old enough, you know, full of headstones to go back to the 1840s when the town was founded. You know, the original founders are buried here. There's a lot of history in just this small graveyard right on the edge of the valley. So um, very picturesque, very, uh, you know, just it looks like a cemetery you'd see in a movie, right? 
Um, and of course, naturally, over the years, stories have evolved out of this spot, some, some based on small shreds of historical truth, and most of them formed out of the cloth of teenagers looking to spice up their lives by scaring the shit out of each other um, on a Saturday night, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, this is a 200-year-old burial ground. Uh, and it's the perfect material for, you know, good, good terrify the hell out of each other stories. Um, especially if you're out, you know, you're out with your significant other and, you know, you want to scare them a little bit, you drive out to Turkey Foot. Uh, the main story that, that I was hooked into when I was a youngin' and, you know, and of course went searching for after with high school friends on a dare one dark night, we'll get to that, uh, is, is the one that surrounds the legend of the witch's grave. Of course, every cemetery has to have some kind of crazy legend. This was ours. The legend of the witch's grave. Uh, and if you go by the legend passed down by generation after generation of kids, sometime in the 1800s, there was a local woman suspected and accused of witchcraft. Right, of course. Uh, some poor old lady uh, who probably had nothing to do with anything, you know, pissed somebody off, and, you know, they pointed the finger at her, and voila, you've got a witch. You know, it's that old chestnut that one hears all over the place when it comes to old and creepy graveyards, you know, the, the tale of the witch. Um, so, this woman, whoever she was, according to the story, was confronted by the ignorant rubes of the town. I'm sure there were idiots back then, just as there are idiots today. Uh, she was captured, imprisoned, probably not even tried, uh, supposedly, she was hung from a gnarled old tree right there in the middle of Old Chestnut Grove Cemetery and then buried there right next to where they hung her. Um, who knows? I kind of find that hard to believe. Uh, who hangs somebody in the cemetery? It's kind of a weird place to hang somebody. Usually, they do that in the middle of town where everybody can see it. So, again, you know, a legend. Uh, the story gets even better, though, or kind of more cliche, as you'd expect, right? Her grave and stone, you know, were marked by an iron fence, right? They had this iron fence that went around the grave. And, and my question is, why would anyone spend that kind of dough on a witch? If someone's suspected of being a witch, why would you spend all that money on, you know, elaborate headstones and iron fences? You know, those aren't exactly cheap, and I can't imagine a town would blow money on that if they seriously thought someone was a witch. But that's the story. Uh, the old-timers, of course, uh, would warn us not to go looking for it, you know, because, of course, quote-unquote, bad things will happen to those who get too close to it. You know, and what those aforementioned bad things would be uh, were never specified. The story just says, you know, bad things would happen. What, are you going to get turned into a frog? Is your house going to burn down? You know, is your toilet going to explode? Or are kids going to toilet paper your house? Who knows? Never mentioned. Uh, the story would go on further to relate that while the fence is no longer there, you can find its remains in stone blocks with spikes that once supported the fence. And we actually found that so-called grave long ago, back in the day. Um, you know, and aside from the usual issues that, that life sends you as an adult, I, I have not had any truly horrific curses that have worked their mojo on, on me or any of my friends that found this grave. You know, unless the witch specializes in getting getting old and, and losing one's metabolism, right? I, maybe that's the curse. I don't know. Um, so far, nothing. Uh, but it gets better, depending on who you ask. Okay, the story gets better depending on which local you ask. There are some people that still buy into a lot of these stories that are local to my hometown. Uh, some folks will insist that several witches were executed and buried there. It wasn't enough to have one. Oh, no, we had several. And their ghosts continue to haunt the graveyard. Because, of course. All right? Uh, to be clear, my sleepy little hometown was never known for witches just hanging out. And uh, even if there were, they, they must have kept to themselves because no one seems to know who these witches were. 
there's no records of any witches. There's no records of any you know, trials or any of that stuff. You know, most of the town's early settlers were from New England. You know, which if you're aware of history, you know they had a massive share of witch accusations, right? You had the Salem witch trials and all that stuff going on. You know, killings and maimings and burnings of so-called witches who were probably not at all witches, just people who were in the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of them are very well documented in New England. But as far as bringing all of that out further west to their new homes, there's, there's nothing. We have nothing on record. People have looked. There's nothing about witches anywhere in town. Uh, no records of this legend give any sort of identifying information, no names or dates. Um, I'm not saying the place doesn't have its share of hauntings. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, it said that this cemetery is haunted, and I know people have gone out to this cemetery to do you know, late-night you know, EVP sessions and stuff like that, uh, ghost hunts. They've seen things and caught, caught things on, on recordings, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it doesn't have those things. It does, and I have gone there myself to to check things out. Uh, all I'm saying is I don't think witches were ever involved. Despite a cool story and the iffy lore that goes with it, uh, Old Chestnut Grove is certainly almost completely witchless. So I, I hate to, to, to ruin the lore there, but now... However, this place does have energy. It has a lot of it, and much of it is very unsettling when one decides to take a walk through the place. To really know how this place is set up, you'd have to visit on your own. But I'm going to do my best to explain the layout in, in a way that gives you a visual in your head. Um, this cemetery is, is on a bend of a, of a road. Uh, the road it bumps up against is naturally called Chestnut Grove Road. Uh, it's a tar and gravel shortcut that kind of runs along the top of the Rocky River Gorge. It's a shortcut between two different roads. Um, it's not a major street or anything. It just kind of curves around and connects two main streets. Um, the, the the cemetery itself has a wrought iron fence in front of it. Um, the newer parts of the cemetery up front, and by new we're talking maybe first half of the 20th century, right? That's the newest stuff. Uh, there's a few small crypts there. There's some sizable gravestones. No crazy statues or anything like that. Uh, there's a gravel drive. There's a little gate. It's not even like an ornate gate. It's just, it's just a gate that I hope you can open it. And there's a gravel drive that goes back through and kind of circles around in a in a you know in a circle. Um, goes through the portion of that cemetery, and there's a fence, like I said, that separates the grounds from the road. So it's just this this old-fashioned cemetery, nothing crazy. Uh, it's filled with groves of old oaks, of, of course, uh, you know, and chestnuts, chestnut trees, ashes, beeches, all the stuff you find in Northeast Ohio. Very tall, very well-established trees. You know, many of them even going back to the early days of the cemetery. I would have to imagine. It just has that look of an old, creepy, creaky, and gloomy cemetery. No matter what part of the day you happen to be there, it just, you know, there's just this, this, this feeling of gloom there, at least in my experience. Maybe if you're listening to this and you've been there and you've, maybe you've felt differently, I don't know. Uh, every time I go there, I just feel kind of like just heavy. Uh, even driving past, you know, while, while the leaves may look amazing in the, in, the, in the fall and the sunlight comes through and it kind of dapples everything in the green of summer, there's just something off about the cemetery, at least to me. Um, as you guys probably know by now, I am endowed with an overactive imagination. Uh, you know, so maybe I'm imagining things, but I'm far from the only one who has ever felt this, this before going past the cemetery or walking through the cemetery. 
In any case, if you go towards the back of the cemetery, you begin to come upon the really old graves, the ones that belong to the earliest inhabitants of the town. Um, in this area, uh, while it's not untended, it, it, it tends to be somewhat overgrown by the surrounding woods. Like the, the, you know, Many of the stones are crooked back there, and a lot of them are so worn down you can barely read them, and they're all mixed and matched in between the trees. Uh, you know, The trees themselves kind of render the whole area shadowy. And kind of dim, even on the sunniest days, and and you know, the, the farther back, the worse it goes. Uh, but the feeling goes deeper than just the visual. It, it, it's it's back there that weird stuff goes down. Um, it's back there that the actual witch's gravestone, or what we think was the witch witch's gravestone, is located. It's back in that area. Uh, it's back there that people report strange feelings of being watched and just this overarching sensation of presence. Um, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing bad, nothing evil, but just, just, just being watch, just a watchful feeling. Um, if there's any ghosts in the whole place, that this is where they probably reside is in the back of, of you know the oldest part of the cemetery. Um, this is where they watch, you know, without being seen. This is where they sometimes interact with the living. According to people that I've talked to, you know, they've had experiences there. I haven't really had anything happen to me there other than that sense of being watched. Um, I've been to this place countless times, both as a kid and as an adult. You know, way back in the 1980s, uh, my particular little cadre of neighborhood pals and I would ride around town on our bikes like a crew of Hell's Angels, at least in our own minds. And, uh, you know, now and again, uh, our wanderings on a long northeast Ohio summer day would lead us to Old Chestnut. Uh, and now you'd expect that adolescent kids would be laying it on thick, that you know, that badass attitude that you get while you're 10, you know, riding around town on your bikes with your pals, uh, you know, and maybe that was true in other parts of town, you know, we would yuck it up. But when we showed up at the cemetery, there was this weird sort of, uh, of solemn behavior that kind of occurred. You know, we all spoke in whispers and, and all without being told. You know, we respected the gravestones, the property we were on. Nobody said anything that we should do that. We just kind of automatically knew. You know, no one rode on the grass. No one climbed on any of the crypts. No one stepped on any of the stones. Uh, no one even thought about swearing while there. Even if we did that while, you know, like drunken sailors at every other stage of the day. No one, everyone was just automatically respectful without anybody saying anything. Uh, we never talked about that, that weird coincidence back then. I suppose I never thought about it until I began putting the story together for you guys. Um, but that's how it was. You know, I rode through there alone a few times. You know, sometimes you'd just ride around town on your own in the summer. There was nothing else to do. Uh, you would wind up there and just kind of ride through just for the hell of it. Um... You know, I never stayed long. You know, that feeling of being watched was unsettling, even, you know, even at a young age, you know, 11, 12, 13. You know, you think you're you know, absolutely invincible, but you still, that, that feeling of watched is something you try to avoid. You get the hell out. Um, you know, there was never any curses or weird sightings of, of witch specters or voices or any of that, that kind of shit. But sometimes there really it was something that didn't want you hanging around. There was that feeling of, of something that did not want you sticking around for long. Uh, and it would feel very heavy on your shoulders, you know, and your intuition and your gut would tell you to take a quick look around and get the hell out. Uh, in high school, you know, like idiot young men trying to impress their girlfriends do, a few of my friends and our significant others thought it would be a swell idea to mosey on into that graveyard in the middle of the night. And though it was creepy, as one would imagine a graveyard late at night would be, we, we never encountered anything. Um, 
you know, we scared ourselves quite a bit just by, you know, every little, every little thing that you'd hear, you know, a chipmunk moving around or a bird, you know, we, we would hear things, but it wasn't anything that, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't out of the ordinary. Uh, that feeling of being watched was always there, which is a little more pronounced simply because it was pitch black, uh, absolutely silent, aside from the occasional train that would roll through town while we were out gallivanting around this dark cemetery. Uh, after about an hour, we dipped out uh, with nary a tail. Ta- ta- you know, we, we had no tales to tell, uh, save for that ever-present presence, that feeling of eyes at our back, even when there were no eyes to be seen. So I, I don't know what that's all about. I've never done any investigations there. Who knows? Um, if you've done an investigation there, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear what you have to say and get your feedback on it. Uh, if you're local and you know about that place. All right. Uh, now, I went back as an adult around 2018 to, you know, quote unquote, document the old cemetery. When I, when I first started exploring and I first had my, my, my shitty little Panasonic point and click, you know, I rambled around the place uh, on, on a rare 40 degree January Sunday. Um, you know, it was gloomy out, you know, uh, it was a little bit colder than, than, you know, than, than, than normal, maybe a little bit colder, a little, little less cold, I should say, than was seasonable, um, but I went through the whole place, you know, even went back into the wild portions of the old graveyard, um, you know, wandered around back there, and, you know, it was just as creepy as I remembered it being as a kid, it was a little less so, because the leaves weren't on the trees, uh, but that whole area still just felt, you know, just kind of dim, the, the light was feeble back there. If I can use any other word, that would be it. The sense of being watched was omnipresent, which I was kind of ready for. Like, I knew what I was getting into. I knew like, it had been like that. I didn't expect anything different. You know, as soon as I got in my car and, and went through the front gates, I just kind of knew that's what I was in for. Um, I've been there too many times throughout my life for it to be any different. Uh, you know, I spent an hour or so just kind of walking through the place. And for the first time ever... Something did happen. Now, I don't know if this was actually something supernatural or something related to the cemetery. It just felt weird. It felt odd. There are all kinds of things that could debunk this. Um, probably was nothing at all but my imagination. But let me, let me lay it on you guys. Let me lay on what, what happened here. Um, I was walking through the middle of the cemetery, right in the middle of everything, and I caught a glimpse of someone else walking across the backside of the place. Um, just like another person just was visiting, walking around, uh, visible every now and again through the stones and the tombs and the trees. Uh, it was definitely a woman. It was a woman, you know, just in, it looked like just another visitor. She had regular clothes on, you know, maybe just someone who wanted to be out and about that day. Maybe she had a camera herself. I don't know. Uh, I took a couple, you know, a, a couple shots every now and again. I'd look around and I'd see her off in different places. I kept tabs on her. Um, you know, as I took photos for several minutes. And eventually, though, I became so engrossed with what I was doing, um, you know, like a half a minute went by. And when I looked up, she was gone. Just gone. Uh, I had never seen her cross back over to the gates. And upon leaving, I realized that there had never been any other cars there but my own. My car had been the only one there. Not that that was anything strange. People walk in off the sidewalks all the time. You know, people walk in from town. They walk around the cemetery. They walk back to wherever they live. Uh, but it was just strange that she just vanished without me recognizing her walking out and past where I was standing. To get out, she would have had to have walked somewhat close to where I was at. I would have noticed the movement. I would have, even with the camera, and nobody nobody is that completely engrossed. You, you see things out of the corner of your eye. I didn't see her walk past. So unless she went deeper into the woods and back where I couldn't see her, it was as if she just vanished. And again, this is most likely the workings of an overactive imagination, but, you know, in a place like Old Chestnut Grove, you just never know. So, you know, did I see something? It just, it just felt weird. I kind of got the willies from it. It was a weird situation. 
All right, so that's my story. That's my local graveyard story um, where I grew up, um, such that it is. All right, I'm sure we all have our stories of graveyards, cemeteries, wherever we're from, little things, you know, places we remember spending time at uh, with your friends and just goofing around. The next place I want to move to, though, oh, man, this is a whole different ballgame. Uh, on the other spectrum of cemeteries, from the small town one, is the old, established, and wealth-encrusted type of establishment that almost every large city can lay claim to. Every major metropolitan area has at least one mammoth cemetery that spans acres and acres. It's the kind that features you know, huge grand tombs that cost a fortune back in the day and which are almost impossible to afford now. The kind you, you know, This is the kind of cemetery you wander around for hours in and get lost in if you aren't careful. One of those cemeteries. You know, Cleveland has Lakeview Cemetery. Buffalo, New York has Forest Lawn. Detroit has a whole slew of big, of big cemeteries. You get the idea. Uh, but if you go to the East Coast and go waltzing into some of the oldest major cemeteries in the country's oldest cities, and you've got a whole level of uh, more massive to deal with. Um, these are cemeteries where industrialists were buried. You know, founding fathers and socialites. You know, people who had a shit ton of money. 100, 150 years ago. Um, you know, politicians, things like that. You know, famous politicians even. You know, mayors You know, of major cities, that kind of thing. Uh, these places have these, these massive mausoleums full of, you know, family, family bodies, tombs for, for specific families, just with these amazing, elaborate architectural flourishes. Some of them have freaking gargoyles. Freaking gargoyles! I've seen gargoyles on some of these tombs. All right, you don't get that back home in Cleveland. Um, these are the true necropolises, right? The cities of the dead, right? You get them in New York City and Boston and Baltimore. The one that has enamored me more than any other is one that's situated smack dab in the middle of the city of brotherly love, right in the heart of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And even more alluring to me was the fact that this is, this is this absolutely gargantuan and very old city of the dead, was, up until very recently, almost completely abandoned. And the name of this monumental memorial to Philly's dead, of course, is Mount Moriah Cemetery. And this place, as I'm going to lay it out for you, has a fascinating, checkered, and in later years, very sad history. Mount Moriah is the name of this place. Um, the cemetery itself spans the border between southwest Philadelphia. It's kind of tucked down in the corner and it, between the town uh, of Yeadon, Pennsylvania, and southwest Philly. Uh, so it's right on the border of cities. Uh, it was established in 1855, still considered to be the largest cemetery in PA, coming in at 200 acres in size. Okay, this place has roughly 150,000 burials. That's a lot of, a lot of people. Uh, Mount Moriah was a much different situation than other large cemeteries in Philly and even in other cities around the East Coast uh, for the last century or so for very some very special reasons. Um, most places did not allow for certain types of burials. Uh, it was kind of a white Protestant-only kind of situation. Uh, Mount Moriah allowed the burials of African Americans, Jews, Muslims, uh, catered to a more middle-class clientele as opposed to the wealthy and elite. I mean, it did have some wealthy and elite there, but it, it, it did not just cater to that. There were all kinds of different sections for all kinds of different people, and they, 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 it was kind of unheard of back in the day. Um, you know, people kind of did not have their own, they had their own separate cemeteries in smaller areas. This was, this encompassed everybody. Um, 
Mount Moriah is part of the United States National Cemetery System. goes back to the American Civil War. And it contains two military burial plots that are maintained by the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, the soldier's lot on the Philadelphia side contains 406 burials, and there's a naval plot on the Yeadon side that's got 2,400 burials. So that's a lot of soldiers, a lot of soldiers buried there. Um, the size of this cemetery made it ideal for churches and all kinds of fraternal organizations to buy plots of land for their own members. You had uh, burial plots for the you know, free and accepted masons. You had the Odd Fellows, Knights of Pythias, Elks. Actors' Order of Friendship. I'm not even sure what that one is. Uh, the Order of United American Mechanics. Right? Unions had their own sections here. They all purchased large plots in the cemetery for for their workers and families. Okay, so this place was around for you know 150 some years, going strong. Um, but after 156 years of operation, the cemetery closed its gates, April 2011. Um, found itself with no owner. The last member of the board of directors kicked the bucket and there was nobody left to take over and there was no money coming in to to maintain the place the city wasn't going to provide for that so uh, it began slipping into that entropic nowheresville that all abandoned properties kind of come to when left to the forces of mother nature right time and human neglect and lack of funds bad stuff happens to the property so Mount Moriah became, you know, went, went from being this this beautiful, well-tended cemetery to being a wild, overgrown with vegetation wasteland. Uh, it became an easy site for illegal dumping. Um, a lot of the, the the buildings there and a lot of the ornate graves and monuments fell into this horrible state of disrepair. Um, you know, arms fell off or were pulled off by by vandals. Uh, vines started crawling up the statues. Um, it was high grasses and scrub bushes and pricker bushes uh, choked out all the spaces between the graves. Basically, the the forest kind of grew back up in in the in the uh, you know in the graveyard and in the cemetery, and it became it made it basically made it impossible to traverse large portions of the cemetery. Uh, you know, a century and a half of Philadelphia's dead had their monuments and remembrances buried by dead leaves, trash, you had debris everywhere. You know, just brush everywhere not to mention the occasional spray-painted tag on a gravestone you know, some asshole would go in there and spray paint a a freaking gravestone like an idiot um sadly you know no no respect for the dead um anyone who would wander into the cemetery into mount moriah would find an almost otherworldly experience it was like walking into the dim reaches of the labyrinth right if you've ever seen the 80s movie labyrinth it was kind of like that you'd walk into this mysterious place that had no beginning or end um you know risking the chance of running into the goblin king right you know that kind of thing um you know in those days of mount moriah you never knew you you might just run into david bowie or more likely a crackhead or two you know wandering around like undead sentinels Guarding the thick wilderness, you know, of this burial ground. You know, who knows who you might find? There's all kinds of weirdos that would wander wander the cemetery. And there was no security, so it was kind of just a wild, you know, a wild wasteland of a place. Now, naturally, during that time and into the present, Mount Moriah became a target for urban explorers. Photographers, you know, dangers be damned. You know, Philadelphia has its dangerous areas, and this is one of them. Uh, but people would go there to get the, 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 the photographs, you know. There's a ton of them. You go online and look up Mount Moriah, abandoned. There, there are so many photos that exist that document the darkest days of the abandonment and the neglect period. You know, just a quick search on Google will bring up scores of them. It's this sad tableau. Um, 
it's beautiful and it's fascinating, but it's horrifying that a place like this could have gone from, you know, just this opulence swallowed by the ravages of time. Um, you know, Mama Earth took everything back over again. And, and, you know, you got little bits and pieces sticking out. It just, it was, it was surreal. Um, after a few years, you know, things got to their worst. Uh, and it was at that point that you had some concerned citizens that decided to step up. You know, the city wouldn't dare do anything about it, so uh, a group of people formed a nonprofit called the Friends of Mount Moriah Cemetery, and they began to show up to clear overgrown brush. They'd bring lawnmowers in and weed whackers and, you know, whatever, and they'd chop down trees and, and clear out areas and, and maintain the graves and try to stabilize things. There's a group that tried to stabilize the gatehouse. We'll talk about the gatehouse later on. Uh, tried to raise money to to you know get this place on the national register for historical places so that there'd be money coming in um a group called the Orphans Court of Philadelphia uh, granted a second organization, the Mount Moriah Cemetery Preservation Corporation. They actually gave the cemetery over to this group in 2014. So some progress has been made on restoration. There's some things that have been fixed. There's some places that have been cleared, but there's still a long, long way to go. You can only do so much on volunteer work and barely any funding. There's no money coming in. Um, the expected annual maintenance costs from Mount Moriah are about $500,000, and that's hard to raise by a group of volunteers. I mean, it can be done, but it's probably hard to do without some corporate help. So we'll see what happens. Um, I finally got around to visiting Mount Moriah Cemetery. Uh, it was this sweltering summer Philly heat wave of a weekend. It was in June 2022. I had just gotten out of school. We were out there visiting my... my uh, graffiti artist friend seven and uh he had something going on that day so we were out we decided to go out and check out mount moriah uh, and i swear on all that is holy for the love of god it was a hundred degrees out that day uh no breeze you know this is dehydration weather and we found ourselves we, my, my poor little car pulls itself up in front of this massive crumbling gate you know, the entrance to this once glorious and, and reputable location. Uh, you couldn't even go through the gate. The gate was so bad, they had it surrounded with fences. The only way to get into the cemetery was around around, around the gate. Um, the gate itself uh, had long since begun to fall apart. Just age and neglect. It looked like someone had attempted to hold it all together with wooden frames. Someone had tried to rebuild or at least hold it together. There were these steel tethers holding it in place. There were blue plastic tarps over missing portions. Um, but judging by the way the boards were weathered, they were almost gray. Uh, so it had to have been a long while back. Uh, the gate was actually built. It was built in, in what they call Norman castellated brownstone. So it looks like something out of a medieval English movie about the 1200s, right? It's this old, just, it just looks like something out of medieval England. Uh, it was designed by a famous Philly architect named Stephen Decatur Button and was built at the entrance, uh, uh, well, what was called Islington Lane. It's now called King Sessing Avenue. I'm probably getting that wrong. So Philly folks, don't don't fry me on that. King Sessing? King's Essing? I don't know. That's the name of the street it's on now. Um, you know, and at the time, this, this single gated arch, it had, they had put this huge imposing statue of Father Time, right, holding the, the hourglass, right? And uh, later on in the arch's history, the statue got purchased, and it was removed from the gate, and it was placed atop the grave of a guy named John H. Jones. This guy was the former president of the Mount Moriah Cemetery Company. 
why they did this, I don't know. My personal thoughts on this, dude, Jones, if you had that much money, why not have a brand new statue made just for your grave, leave Papa Time where he was meant to be, on top of the, the gate, you know, friggin' patricians just have to have what they want, and, you know, why you would do that, I don't know, right? I don't know. Mm. Excuse me. Had to grab a drink here. Uh, in any case, the gate was a kind of a precursor of what we were about to see as we drove the car around it and, and, and on the redirected gravel paths. We, the car, we, <laughs> we took the car down this gravel path, you know, as you drive through a cemetery to get to different sections uh, and into the cemetery proper. And just past the front gates is where, you know, as advertised in the hundreds of photos we had seen, um, you know, the place was overgrown. You know, summer was in full swing. There was this almost impenetrable wall of plants and grass and vines and who knows what. The only way to the cemetery was down these gravel, you know, I hesitate to call them roads, they were more like paths, but you know, roads, that led through the underbrush. Um, just impenetrable wall of ve vegetation on all sides. And as you were driving through, you could see the shadows of the vine-encrusted gravestones and the vaults, like back into the, into the wooded areas where, you know, used to be open. You could see these vaults and tombs and, and uh, graves and statues, you know, all you know, just, just feet beyond the sun of the path. Like the sunlit part of the path you could see in the back, just into the distance, going further and further back in the woods. It was just eerie, almost, you know, apocalyptic, post-human, empty earth kind of situation. It was very bizarre. Uh, here and there, uh, we'd stop to investigate statues. You'd see these statues that would stand above the foliage. Um, many of them had their heads or arms or you know, limbs missing. Um, you know, set up, set up and get some shots of those as we went. Uh, the names on the graves they stood above were almost completely covered in vines. Like you couldn't even tell who those statues belonged to because they were completely covered in, 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 in clinging vines all over the place. Um, to say that the cemetery was surreal is a massive understatement. This place felt like an old X-Files episode filming location from the 1990s. You know, it was just kind of rife with eerie mystery and the possibility of lurking dread just out of sight. Like, you couldn't see anything, you know. Here and there, anybody could have jumped out. Anything could have been there. Um, we couldn't hear civilization because it was so thickly wooded. It was just very quiet and very... I, don't, I wouldn't call it serene because serene is peaceful. This just had energy about it and just kind of, you know, it wasn't nasty or anything, but it was charged. Like anything could have happened there at any time. Um, now, as we drove on here and there back into the back parts of the cemetery, we would see sections that were cleared out by volunteers. These sections were still rough in nature compared to what the grounds must have looked like when Mount Moriah was tended by a fully funded grounds crew. Right back in the day, it was probably probably you know mint, probably you know just just completely pristine. Um, you know these volunteers did their best. They had you know weed whackers and uh, you know lawn riding lawnmowers, and but the place still looked rough. Um, you know a lot of the vines and the choking brush and the prickers would see were gone. Um, they had done their best to get them all off of the the graves. A lot of the gravestones were broken, cracked. You know pieces, parts that they had tried to assemble back together. Um, just a mess. Just a mess. Uh, but you can see how glorious this place had to have been back in its heyday. When the tombs were new and the whole place was, was guarded and maintained, you can see all that just by just the grand, just the grand scope of it. Um, 
Now, regardless of all the many tales of supernatural shenanigans that supposedly surround the place, we had no such run-ins. We were there on the hottest day, the sweatiest part of the day, when the glare was at an all-time high, and, you know, we weren't there creeping around the foreboding pathways late at night, so who knows? You know, nothing during the light happened, uh, but, you know, we, we, we weren't there after dark. You know, this is Philly, which has been known to be a dangerous city in a lot of ways. There are certain areas that are more dangerous than others, and, you know, maybe that's an understatement, including this one. This, this area was a little rough, um, and anything could have happened in this cemetery late at night, uh, supernatural or otherwise. For instance, a case in point, all right, back in 27, uh, 2017, there was a member of a notorious Philadelphia motorcycle gang, uh, whose name I will not mention, um, uh, he was convicted of murdering a prospective member in Mount Moriah late one night. So this guy uh, lured this prospective member to the biker gang out. Maybe they had a falling out. He lured him here, uh, you know, probably told him he had to do something in the cemetery to, to get in, right? And he murdered this dude. He killed him. And he dragged this guy's body by the neck with a truck through the cemetery and then dumped his body in a nearby open crypt. Uh, the crypt had been pushed aside. He put this guy's body on it, closed up the crypt. Three years later, you know, this guy just disappeared. Nobody knew where he was at. Three years later, his body was found. I'm not sure exactly who found it or how it was found, but the body was located. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody talked. I don't know. Truth was finally discovered. The guy went to prison. Um, you know, so in retrospect, ghosts might have been the least of our issues there late at night had we been there late at night. Um, you know, I, I've heard all kinds of stories about Mount Moriah. You know, just just abandoned cars that are left, there's stolen cars that are left there, um, just crime galore. Uh, it's just one of those places. So uh, we did not see anything, but again, you know, anything could have happened. But uh, if you ever get a chance to go to Philly, I highly recommend checking out Mount Moriah. Uh, take your camera; you'll have a field day there. There's lots of creepy, eerie, awesome shots to be had. Trust me on this; you'll you'll enjoy it. Now, the third place I want to talk about, the third and final location I want to talk about is on the other side of the country. A very different area of, of the country that many of us up here in the north are not used to seeing. Uh, so we're going to take a look at a cemetery that, at least in my exploratory history thus far, is unique to a special part of the country. If you go down into the wet and swampy bayous of New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, they do cemeteries quite a bit differently than do we folks up north. Uh, up here in the north, we tend to bury our departed in coffins, six feet under, uh, in established areas for that kind of thing, right? We have our cemeteries up here. In New Orleans and around the southern part of Louisiana, conditions do not allow for that kind of thing. Due to the water table being so close to the surface of the ground, you know, and just the, the swampy conditions there, burying anything a few feet down is asking for whatever it is you buried to come right back up to the top in a flood, or you know, if the water table ever rises due to you know bad uh, rains, or God forbid a Category Five hurricane, right? Bad watery day, graves would become waterlogged which is not something you want for your loved one's eternal resting spot. On a really bad day, uh, the grave and all of its contents might ooze right up to the soft, wet ground and start floating all over the graveyard. All right, you, you don't want to have to deal with that. So New Orleans traditionally does their burials a, a little bit differently than most places do. 
Um, you know, down in the Mississippi Delta, graves are built above ground in stone uh, and sometimes cement tombs up and off the surface of the ground to prevent that kind of thing. You don't want damp wretchedness happening happening in the tombs of your loved ones. So when you roll through a cemetery in in New Orleans, uh, you walk through these these tall wrought iron front gates. Usually the cemeteries are surrounded by big tall fences you can't see over. And there's one entrance, this big uh, wrought iron front gate. You walk in and literally walk into a city of the dead. Um, they look like just it looks like a small city. Um, these small homes and buildings, uh, different different tombs stacked. Some of them stacked several, you know, like quote unquote stories high. Right, levels of bodies go up. Uh, you have whole families stacked like cordwood on top of each other in these in these to- above above ground tombs. Um, a little cramped, but at least they'll stay dry. You know, no matter what aqua intensive nightmare Louisiana's climate can throw at them, these tombs stay dry. Uh, whole families are placed in one small plot, each generation just kind of stacked above the other. Um, a lot of these graves are very ornate, with all sorts of old decor on their stone exteriors. If you go down there, they're very stylized. Uh, some are basic, which is the family name. Uh, you'll have the individual names and the birth and death dates, maybe a quick quote or something, an epitaph, something like that. But that's it. Um, you know, and they're, some of them are very well spaced out, and they're very, very old and weathered. And a lot of times the, the, the greenery will kind of grow up to the ground, and depending on how well-maintained the place is, um, you know, you might have plants growing up and trees growing up through different graves, and it just you add the gloom of a of a of a you know a, a stormy New Orleans spring sky, and you've got yourself quite a moody and intriguing set for a vampire movie. All right, all I can think of is Concrete Blonde. Concrete, the band Concrete Blonde. If you're not familiar with them, had a song back in the '90s called the Vampire Song. You know, Bloodletting was the name of the album. Um, and I'll never forget the quote, right? I've got the ways and means to New Orleans. I'm going down by the river where it's warm and green. Gonna have a drink and walk around. I've got a lot to think about, right? Southern Gothic at its finest. So that's kind of the graveyard vibe down there. Very different than what we're used to up here. Um, now, when we rolled down to the Big Easy last spring uh, to do some exploring, we, we went down for a couple days. Uh, we tried our damnedest to get into one of the, the, the big Mama Jama cemeteries. Um, there's so many awesome photography uh, opportunities down there in these cemeteries. But at every step, we got stymied by some kind of obstacle or another. Um, w- the one we were looking at, we had seen it from high up above on Interstate 10. We were up above on Interstate 10 driving through town, and you could kind of look down. And we were on our way to another destination, and we saw this cemetery on the side of the freeway from up above. Uh, and it was just this delightfully, enticingly overgrown, you know, cemetery with all these old tombs all lined up like like a whole giant city block, and it just looked like something out of like you know the ancient Roman Empire. That's how old it looked. So this was obviously a you know choice for photography, right? We we made a note to go there, but sadly uh, the place was called St. Louis Cemetery Number Two. Sadly, the place was locked up and closed down due to all of the vandalism and the destruction that had been caused to the tombs and the mausoleums. Um, people had gone in there and just effed it up. And it's sad because it was it looked like a really cool place. So no dice. We couldn't get in there. Uh, next, we tried to take a crack at St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, which was nearby, which is New Orleans' biggest and most famous cemetery. Got a lot of famous people in the cemetery. The most most famous uh, inhabitant there uh, is the voodoo queen Marie Laveau. All 
right? Look up Marie Laveau, crazy life, crazy situation, voodoo queen of New Orleans. Um, you know, this cemetery, again, is a whole city block, uh, 700 tombs, 100,000 graves, all going back to 1789. Uh, and it's considered to be one of the most haunted cemeteries in America. So how could we not want to check this place out? But we found out as we pulled up and parked, it's also not a free place to just wander into. Um, you had to pay to get in, a rather exorbitant price, actually, to go in. And if we did pay the price to go in, we were going to get stuck with a tour group, and we wouldn't be able to just wander around and set up shots and do what we were accustomed to do, you know, to doing, just doing our own thing. We had to, we would, would be there, and someone would tell us what to do, and we just weren't having that. So we decided to skip it for another trip, you know, maybe go back another time someday and check that out. Now... After a couple similar outcomes, you know, where we just were running up against, you know, locked gates or whatever, we finally stumble onto a smaller cemetery in a quiet New Orleans neighborhood called St. Rock. St. Rock, R-O-C-H, St. Rock, uh, which was named eponymously after the area in which it was built. Um, This is the cemetery. The cemetery was named St. Rock Cemetery. Uh, We we, we couldn't see over the walls of this, this... this, this graveyard, which again was like a block, a block big, uh, took up one whole city block. Um, but when you look past the tall wrought iron gate, wide open, finally, we have this wide open gate and welcoming us in. It showed us, you know, these, these, these historical treasures we'd be documenting. We're like, let's go park the car. We're going in. So we go into St. Rock Cemetery. Uh, St. Rock Cemetery has kind of a cool history. Uh, it was founded by a guy named Reverend P.L. Thevis. I think I'm saying that right. Thevis, T-H-E-V-I-S, in 1874. And during one of New Orleans' yellow fever outbreaks, uh, you know, they, they, the people in town prayed to the patron saint of protection from epidemics, St. Rock. Um, you know, they, they asked him to protect them against against these horrible epidemics. And when nobody from uh, Reverend Thevis's church died of yellow fever, uh, the Reverend founded the cemetery as part of his promise to St. Rock. He, he basically asked St. Rock, hey, protect my flock and I'll build you this sanctuary. Um, keep my people safe. We'll build you a chapel. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. So uh, the chapel that he built is now inside St. Rock Cemetery. We'll get to the chapel a little bit later. There's something cool about the chapel that I want to tell you guys about. Now, today, sadly and oddly, St. Rock Cemetery is one of the least visited large cemeteries in New Orleans, which is sad because it's really a cool place. Probably one of the most maintained cemeteries that I I drove past and looked in. Um, We thought maybe it was just the day we arrived, but according to the locals, on any given day, you can go there and find yourself without any other living souls around to keep you company. The place is always, you know, dead and, you know, not trying to be funny, but that's, I mean, there's nothing, there's nobody there. Uh, when we explored the place, we saw absolutely no one. And that was, you know, that was fine with us. We it's probably better that way. You don't have to worry about, you know, somebody walking into your shot or standing there or whatever. Uh, now, knowing a little bit about New Orleans cemetery etiquette, I made sure, you know, as I walked in to kind of make a mental note to kind of, you know, relate to the spirits of the place that, you know, we're only there to be respectful visitors. Uh, we wish them and their tombs no harm. We're there as friends. Um, I just thought it was better safe than sorry, you know. The place is supposedly full of full of wandering spirits, so I figured, well, what the heck? What what can it hurt? Um, 
Even though we didn't see or experience anything weird while we were there at this magnificent little cemetery, there are a number of ghost stories associated with St. Rock. So we, were, we had our eyes open for a couple different things, just in case. Uh, the most famous ghost story associated with the cemetery is that of this spectral, uh, unnaturally black dog. This big, you know, this size, you know, this huge dog, a black dog that is seen wandering aimlessly through the property just kind of trotting along, running around. Uh, anyone who attempts to get close can never get close enough. The dog vanishes into thin air just when you expect to catch a straight look at it. Poof, gone. Um, now, interestingly enough, the, the saint whose name this cemetery was gifted, St. Rock, was also the patron saint of dogs, which is a crazy quinkadink, sure. All right, quinkadink. Uh, I would have loved to have nabbed a shot of the good old boy, but... Um, no big black dogs crossed our path in the quiet and peaceful aisles. Uh, you know, we looked, we did. I kept my eyes peeled just in case, but no dogs. Uh, another interesting ghost story uh, that we were told by some of the locals was, uh, you know, kind of a it kind of features in a lot of uh, supernatural stories about other cemeteries, uh, and it's that of a dark hooded figure that has been witnessed slowly taking an ambling constitutional to the cemetery. Um, at no place in particular time of the day, right? It just kind of wanders the cemetery. Um, people see it, you know, while they're driving past or, you know, they're walking past. And I'll see somebody, you know, wandering this, this hooded figure uh, day and night. You know, could it be some local who just happens to enjoy wearing hooded clothing as they visit the graveyard? Sure, but probably pretty unlikely. All right, the key to the whole idea behind the encounter is that the hooded figures, you know, he, he has this penchant for walking through the walls, which surrounds St. Rock. So there's that, all right? So he's, he's known to just walk through walls. People supposedly have seen this happen. Um, you know, even when the gates are locked for the night, they'll see this guy walking around. Uh, nobody can get in or out, but for some reason, the ghost is still there. Nobody knows who the ghost is or who it's supposed to be, if it exists at all. You know, you can assume based on his clothing that maybe, just maybe, he was involved with the Catholic Church in some way, but, you know, who the hell knows, um, if it exists at all. So, you know, we divided up and walked all through the silent and, and, and peaceful. This was a very peaceful cemetery. Uh, we took our shots and we just soaked it up, you know, even if there was no dog or hooded apparition, you know, to see. Uh, you really cannot beat the vibe in a New Orleans boneyard. The architecture and the setup is so different than any other place I've ever poked around in. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just different. I don't know how to explain it to you guys without you being there to see it yourself. Uh, the coolest part about this place, though, was not something supernatural or eerie. Um, the surprise at the end of our short stay here uh, was when we approached the chapel. The chapel I mentioned earlier in the story, Reverend Thevis, right, had created this chapel uh, at the center and back of the yard. Um, Supposedly, you know, it was built because of the miracle of St. Rock protecting these people, the church, uh, from, from this, this outbreak. Um, so they built this place, um, and the locals who lived around started putting their, their, their loved ones into the cemetery around this, this chapel. Um, they continued to revere St. Rock uh, for you know, graces of welfare and remission and, and surgeries gone well long after the place was established. This was a, a person they prayed to for help with you know, health issues. Uh, so here's, here's kind of the cool thing about the chapel. As a result of all this, for decades, believers have been leaving um, 
crutches, uh, polio braces, glass eyes, dental plates, you know, all kinds of prosthetic arms and legs um, in this chapel as, you know, as like an offering to the, the saint. All right. Imagine having all this stuff. This chapel was full of this stuff. Um, oddly, there were some other weird things inside. There was a, a can of corn, uh, keys, sets of keys, and the weirdest thing in there was a small Ronald McDonald doll. There was this little small Ronald McDonald, and I'm assuming people just left it in there for their loved ones, like little trinkets in honor of their loved ones in this chapel. Um, you know, when, when the people, when their health would recover, um, they would leave these things behind. So, the resulting cornucopia of anatomical remembrances, you know, you had these vintage medical artifacts and, you know, religious things and, and rosaries, all this stuff has added up over the year, and it, it makes the St. Rock Shrine one of the most unusual in America, even though if it's never visited by anybody. Uh, I'm glad we got to see it. We made sure we captured as much of it as we could. Uh, I shot a lot of this place. There was all kinds of weird stuff to see there. Uh, before we left, you know, uh, we made sure to spend some time in the chapel. It's definitely not something someone sees every day, you know, a whole shrine to prosthetics, but there you go. So, uh, St. Rock, even though we spent maybe maybe 45 minutes there, was definitely worth the, worth the trip. If you're ever in New Orleans for Mardi Gras or wherever, whenever you're there, you know, make, make an effort to go check the place out. It's really cool, very quiet, pristine place. So, there you go. Um, so, you know, a couple stories about graveyards, right? Some, some different places, some different situations, um, just some stories from the road. I hope you guys enjoyed it tonight. All right. Um, I will leave you guys with that. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Um, got some cool stuff coming up down the way. I've mentioned, you know, in the couple, last couple episodes, we've got some things going on, some things in the pot, so to speak, uh, coming your way. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, as always, keep the questions coming. If you guys ever have any questions at all about what I do or how I do things or whatever that you'd like to have answered, uh, you know, there's always room for some question and answer episodes down the line. So please keep those coming. All right. Um, I have no idea what's going on this weekend yet, so we'll see. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure something will come up. All right, so wherever you're going this weekend, stay safe. As always, keep the awesome photos coming. Keep posting your work. Uh, keep improving. Keep getting things done. And I'll be looking for your stuff out there. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll see you in the next one. This is Mr. P signing out.